Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. In the fall each year we all congregate The mouth all gathered at the church of Tailgate The scriptures reading from the book of months in Our favorite verse, my God, a freshman Drunk and obnoxious, what children face Ain't nothing finer in the land Now the 3,000 of our best friends It's Saturday in that thing Welcome to the Saturday Nathans podcast. We're a Georgia Bulldogs show by dogs fans for dogs fans. I'm your host, Herschel Gurley, joined as always by my co-host, Boss Dog. Boss, bark at the people. What's happening, everybody? We're back today with some big news, so we're just going to jump right in today. No real banter back and forth. Yeah, a little coin flip question today. There was a picture released during some of the recruiting visits uh, over the last week of some of the kids rocking the red pants from the throwback uniform last year and the red tops. So, yes or no, is Boss a fan of the all-red look or are you an old-timer that wants the traditional and, and nothing like the, uh, the power surge or color surge uniforms? Let me hear your thoughts. First off, I am not an old-timer. Not really, not at all. Like I'm all for change and but with the exception of the Power Ranger uniforms from 2011, those can just be burnt. But hold on, so, hold on. But that was more about the execution and less about yes, being yes. amenable to them doing some alternate type uniforms, correct? Correct. Yes. That was about the execution. Those uniforms were just atrocious. Like I thought that they could have done so much better. Like, okay. The jerseys by themselves, not that bad. The helmets by themselves, not that bad. Those two together were just not a good combo at all, in my opinion. So, I mean, and I don't know a Georgia fan who really liked them. Some people who were not Georgia fans outside of the program thought that they looked well. Not me. Um, and I know you weren't a fan of them either. But we can talk about that for, you know, 30 minutes about you know, th- those uniforms and that miserable day. And I think we yes. have. <laughs> Um, yes, but with the red on red, I saw the pictures and I think I even tweeted this that I'd like to see how they look on the field before I give a definitive answer because they look good in pictures and I think they could look good on the field, but in the pictures and maybe this was just me, but they looked like a brighter red than the helmets. And, and like I said, it could just be me from the pictures but they looked really, really bright and they popped off the pictures. Now, granted, they're marketing. So, and they're the recruit pictures. So, those always are a little bit Instagram filtered. So, you don't really know exactly what they really look like. So, I'd like to see them in person before I give a final answer. So, I think they could look good. But from the pictures, I just thought they looked a little too red. They weren't Georgia red. But I'm not opposed to red on red. I would just like to see more Georgia red. 
These are my two thoughts on the red on red. You should know your boy is not opposed to mixing it up when it comes to uniforms. I love stuff like that. Um, love them doing some creative things. You know, I'm probably one of the only people uh, that's a dogs fan or associated with the dogs in any way that didn't totally hate the black pants, black helmet in the cocktail party that year. Um, I think people load that mainly because of the game results as much as because of how it looked. But I am a fan of using the three primary colors um, within uniform combinations. I mean, look, there's not many things fresher on the planet than when they wear the true silver britches with the red top and the red lid. I mean, that it's just epic, right? Such a classic look. But, dude, I think the red on red would look sick, especially for a one-off uh, in a special game or something like that. But I caveat that with, I need to see it with a helmet. I need to see how it looks with a helmet. Uh, Cause to your point, I don't know if all the reds were color coordinated there. So, you know, if they had all the Pantones all set up and everything looked right with all the right red, I think that could look kind of fresh. I also think the socks need to be white, like knee high white socks with that all red, I think would look awesome. Even with white cleats, I think would look super fresh. I know that they're real tied to, to black cleats and I'm cool with that. Um, Cause again, it's within the, uh, it's within the primary color palette for, for the dogs. But I think it looks so sick if they had white, white socks, white cleats to go with that all red look. I also think it would look really, really cool if they did a throwback silver helmet with that look as well. Um, going back to the uniforms from the fifties and sixties. So yeah, I, I think helmet choice, helmet color choice would be key on that, but I would want to see that before I gave my full opinion, but just from a conceptual perspective, I'm very much in on uh, uniform variation. So yeah. And you know, I, I'm not one to buy into what they're doing in the recruit pictures as being some type of precursor or some type of tease. Because to your point, it's it's for that recruit push, right? Like they're they're trying yeah. to have the kids come in and do a nice little photo op, and so they're mixing and matching uniforms. But the fact that they okayed it makes me feel pretty good about the fact that they're not closed minded to doing some fun variations on that. Well, let's also think about it. Recruits have been taking pictures in the black jerseys since Kirby got there, and they've worn the they wore the black jerseys once in twenty eighteen. And I, I think it was 2018. It, Nick, Nick and Sony wore them once. I remember that. I don't remember what year it was. And oh, then I, I think it was year one. I think it was. Was it year one? It was yeah, year one. Okay. Yeah. I, I remember they wore them once and then they didn't wear them again until this year. Isn't that right? Yeah. accurate? So yeah. Kirby is a traditionalist, which is fine. But if we're really going to shake things up, personally, I want an ice out uniform. I love the schools when they do the. The white on white on white. I think those look fresh. That's what I want to see. I know Georgia will never do that, ever. But that's what I would love to see. Just once. Just once. Well, you know, the thing, too, and I think part of the reason, to your point, I don't think that'll ever happen is because people are so married to the silver britches. And look, homie, nobody loves the silver britches as much as I do. I love it. Love it, love it, love it. But, dude, we've worn white pants in our history. So, like, it's not like it's outside of the, the historical uniform combination. So, yeah, I mean, I think that'd be cool. That's what I mean, man. I, I'm not one of these folks that is ardently opposed to, to doing some out-of-the-box stuff like that. 
Um, so yeah, I and I I will say, man, I think the fact that they put a spike collar on that black jersey says that the current equipment staff and even Kirby as the CEO of the football program isn't opposed to kind of doing some different stuff and shaking it up. Cause I thought the collar thing was a big step outside the box for the equipment staff, uniform department, whatever you want to call it. And, and Kirby. So I think there's some amenability to that administration wise. This week's Saturday night and six pack brought to you by our good friends at Southern brewing company. I mean, look y'all, there's certain beers that just hit the spot. You've got the first beer at the tailgate, the first tee shot of the day beer, the on a boat beer, the standing by the grill smoking meat beer, the taping a podcast beer, and me and boss's personal favorite, the the dogs just beat Florida in the cocktail party celebratory beer. But whichever beer you're drinking, so Bruco's got you covered. Personally, some of my favorites are the 7 a.m. because you know, like the tailgate is a marathon, so I got to have something a little lighter. When it's hot out, I like the red and black, or maybe just as a little refresher for me and boss after we're chasing our broods of kids around. I feel like the hobnail every day of the week is always a good call because I just kind of envision Larry Munson narrating me drinking it. If you're going to drink beer, drink the beer that's Athens born and Southern made. Cheers, y'all. Now, let's pop some tops. Let's get into the Saturday in Athens six pack. Let's pop top number one. Uh, of the six pack, which selfishly is going to be an exciting announcement for us as a podcast. Um, as of, I guess, 10 days ago, we are now the official Georgia Bulldogs podcast for the fan sided podcast network. I'm sure most folks are familiar with fan sided and probably familiar with fan sided's uh, Georgia Bulldogs blog and website, Dawn of the Dog, and uh, in partnership with. Minute Media, who I believe is actually the company that owns Fansided now, they are launching a pod, Fansided podcast network and are hoping to have a dedicated podcasts for as many of their uh, teams as possible. And they asked us to be their Georgia Bulldogs show. And we're really excited about it. Gladly accepted it. Our hope is that it gives us a bigger platform to bark with more Georgia fans, right? I mean, that's, that's the reason boss and I started this and have continued to do it is to interact with the fan base and to share uh, this experience and our, our Georgia fandom with all of y'all. So that was our hope in this. Uh, we're really excited about it and think it's going to be great. It also came with the opportunity to work on Dawn of the Dog and also put out some blogs in addition to the audio content that we put out with the podcast. Obviously, Saturday Night Podcast is a great format for us to do more long-form content and give our opinions on what's going on in Dog Nation and, and as it pertains to Georgia football and Georgia athletics. But the blog will also give us an opportunity to hit more quick-hitting topics like, you know, if, say – like, for example, last night, uh, ESPN released their top 25 power rankings. We could just write some kind of snippets on that. So I think it'll allow us to be more nimble on short form content while also uh, giving us a broader platform for uh, podcasting and hopefully reaching a bigger audience on the, on the podcasting topic. So, boss, I know you're as excited about it as I am. So, so what are your thoughts on it and kind of where do you where do you see things going in the 
throughout the season and, and for the next year as it pertains to the podcast. Well, first off, I'm just super stoked that, you know, we were chosen at, for this network and we were the Georgia choice. So, I mean, first off, thank you to Fansided for choosing us. Secondly, we're going to be putting out more content and we hope that it'll reach more goal and we welcome the feedback. We want to improve this. We want this to be something that y'all want to listen to and want to interact with us and with the blog as well. So there is message board attached to each blog that we will be releasing. So you don't agree with something we say, please interact with us. We're, we're definitely one to shy away from replying to stuff about that. You know, we're not going to sit here and argue with you by any means, but we'll definitely have a conversation with you about it. So that's what I'm looking forward to most is more, more fan interaction. Yeah, it's the same for me, man. I'm just excited about it being a broader platform for us to interact with dogs fans. Um, I mean, I think that's been our push from the start is to have a dialogue with as many of y'all as possible. Um, And I think this will allow that. And to your point, boss, I'm just fired up that fan side. It has given us this opportunity and saw the merit in choosing us to, to represent Georgia uh, from a fan's perspective. So we're really excited. Um, and yeah, just like Boston, man, tell us, tell us what y'all think. Tell us how things could be better. Tell us some things you'd like to see or hear us talk about, and we'll insert it in the show. Um, I think it'd be fun to do something that was fan centric, like a fan of the week or something like that, where folks submitted, uh, kind of like not an application, but almost like a, Hey, this is me. This is my Georgia story. And then we pick somebody each week to highlight, maybe tell their story on the podcast or something like that. I don't know. We just want to be as interactive with the fan base as possible. Um, and to that point, that's part of the reason that we're trying to do this tailgate uh, for the opener against Clemson and Charlotte. You know, we want you guys to come hang out with us, come have a drink or two with us, tell us about yourselves. Um, you know, just bark about the, the game and the season. I know everybody's excited as Boston and I are about the possibilities for 2021. And, um, you know, we got a whole season's worth of tailgates to make up for. So let's get that started off on the right foot in Charlotte. We are going to be at the um, oversized parking lot for the NASCAR Hall of Fame. Um, so come on out and hang with us. We're going to have an RV park there. going to have TVs working, a couple different feeds for, for early games. We're going to have some games like Cornhole and Chippo and a couple of other things. So come hang out with us. Come bark with us. Come tell us what you what you like and don't like about the podcast. And come see Boss's glorious mane of hair in person. That's worth the price of admission right there. <laughs> I don't know about all, right. all that, but we'll see. Oh, no. That's a fact. Plus, my boy's got a new bucket hat he's fixing the sport. So he's going to look fresh to death for that open. So, y'all, y'all, come, y'all come check out that glory in person all right top number two this is a this is i feel like an episode of announcements brother but we have another exciting announcement if y'all have listened and followed the podcast from the start y'all know that boss and i are big time proponents of the long snappers and we certainly want to continue to carry that torch and have it be as bright as possible so in that vein and with the recent Uh, passage of the uh, NIL legislation and all the things that go along with that, we thought what better chance to uh, keep, keep trumpeting that message 
then to partner up with George's two snappers. Payne Walker and William Moat be the Saturday in Athens podcast brand ambassadors. Couldn't be more happy to have them on board with us. Two excellent ambassadors on and off the field and just couldn't be more excited to have them on our team. We're going to be talking about them all year. We're obviously love snappers, think they're the most underrated guys on the field. I mean, like, dude, did snappers ever get any love? Like, if you went around to the fan base, could they, by name, tell you who the snappers are on their roster? And I don't just mean that like Georgia fans. I mean pretty much any fan base fans. Could they tell you who the snappers are? So I think the momentum for this all started with snappers getting taken in the NFL draft this year. Love seeing that. Um, love that the Manley Award, which is – given to the senior best senior snapper in the country, collegiate snapper in the country is gaining some traction named after former bear snapper, Patrick Manley. So yeah, man, I, I love that. We love that. We're trying to uh, bring as much shine and attention to the snappers as we can. So we are, uh, we're going to make a formal uh, announcement on our Brand social channels today. The podcast. So, yeah, man, we are pumped up about it. Think Payne and William are awesome guys and love what they're doing on the field and off the field for the dogs. So what are, what are your thoughts on that boss? I know. So as we've told y'all boss was a center in his playing days, many moons ago. So I know he's all about the, the boys along the line, getting some, getting some shine. So we're doing that in a special teams manner, but still it's, it's your brethren in beef, right? Yeah. Long snapping is probably the most thankless job on the field because you're only noticed if you make a mistake. And so to give any type of publicity or any type of notoriety to uh, Payne and William is, you know, anything we can do to support them is just, you know, what we want to do. So, and, and on top of that, they're both just great kids, which just sounds just asinine to me that we're calling them kids. But, you know, the older we get, the farther away we get from that that age demographic, which just is weird to me, but they're just great kids. And we just want to, you know, support them in any way we can and having them as brand ambassadors for us, obviously to the kids that are within the program, great partnership for us as well. Any way we can support long snappers, hope this will be something that we can go, you know, as they transition out and new long snappers transition in something we want to want to keep going because as I just said, long snapping is not a glorified position by any means. No, it's not. And it should be. I got beef about that. Like snappers are the players on the field that start the majority of your special teams plays, right? Like there is no field goal kick without a solid snap. There is no punt without a solid snap. Like they are the the straw that stirs the special teams drink, baby. I mean, that's what we're going with. I may, we may hashtag that straw that stirs special teams drink. It's probably a little too long. But I still like it. Maybe we'll make a T-shirt. Maybe we'll make a T-shirt that says "Snappers Straw That Stirs the Special Teams Drink." I think I there's like there's I think there's something there. We're gonna we're gonna workshop that a little bit. I don't know if my verbiage is too much on there, but that's a good starting point, I think. Right? No, I like that. I like that. We could definitely work work with that. Yeah. So we're we're fired up to to have uh, Payne and William on Team Saturday in Athens, and uh, we're, we're hoping that they have fantastic seasons. So y'all make sure and support them. Go follow them on social media. I mean, just, just be in their corner and um, be shouting for them every time they come on the field. So, yeah, man, we're fired up about that. All right, top number three. We're going to pop to stay on the, the football theme here. 
fall practice is coming, baby. What we got as we're taping today, we're two days away. Two days. Um, yeah. Two yeah. Days. Two days from fall practice, which it's always weird to me that it's called fall practice. Like in the oh, middle of summer. Yeah. Like, I mean, it, <laughs> it has been hot enough to kill you here in South Carolina. I mean, just hotter than a $2 pistol brother. So there ain't nothing fall about what's happening right now. Um, I don't know. It's weird. I feel like they've tried to transition to that because I think that the, the general verbiage was, it used to be to just call it two a days, right? I mean, dude, when we were playing, that's what it was called. Hey dude, two a days yeah. are starting. But like, I feel like that's just Hell. not a thing anymore. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. I just feel like that's not really a thing anymore. Speaking of two a days, let's, let's boss. And I tell you a two a day story when we played oh, together God. in high school. Your, your, your co-host, your, your, your host here was about 127 pounds soaking wet when That's I started generous. playing. That probably is generous, but <laughs> I mean, you know, 127 pounds, 121 of that was hard, right, brother? I mean, your boy was just giving it all he had. Yeah. Also, <laughs> also 127 pound long snapper. Let's also put that out there. Yes. Yes. He was. I, I, do, I don't want that to get lost in all this. So you talk about putting your money where your mouth is. Your boy is all about snapping. Okay. But anyways, we had to, in those days, we're still doing two a days and to end the first practice at like 1130 in the blazing hot sun, we would have to pull tires to end the first practice. Yep. And look, we're not talking like, the spare tire that's sitting in your car, the little donut that you put on to get you like 40 miles until you can actually get the regular size tire on. I'm talking like full size tires, homie. And look, everything gets um, exaggerated as you get older, but this is no doubt, folks. I got a memory like a steel trap. I mean, just like an elephant. So I'm just telling you, this tire that your boy had to pull, Gravedigger was pulling that thing two weeks ago. <laughs> like monster truck tire that they slapped on the weight belt around my around my waist i mean you were there brother am yeah. i exaggerating it was the biggest tire we had by, by far yeah biggest tire yeah. that we had <laughs> i mean not even close and what do we do that day 10 100s 10 10 100s the fact that i'm All on because this podcast we got... today is a modern miracle well let's also put out why we did 10 100s all because our yes. coach, and God knows, I hope he's pl- ever listens to our podcast. I hope it's this episode. Planted a tag saying that we got new uniforms. He said that if he found any of the tags from our new uniforms, that we would have to run 10 100s with the tire. And I guarantee you, we still to this day, we all made sure that no one left a tag out. I guarantee you, he planted that damn thing. Still to this day, say he planted it. So we had to run 10 100s with the tire. He was trying to weed us out. I am not a cynic by nature, but I'm telling you, I, I'm, I'm kind of picking up what you're putting down on that. I think coach might've, might've planted that. That's the conspiracy I will get on board with for sure. Like I love coach, but he did. I think, I think it was, I think he was wanting to see how tough that squad was going to be. Boy, those unis were fresh too. We went from like the old school Russells that when you sweated in them, they weighed like 47 more pounds than they did when you put them on. To the the fresh Nike pants that were like sheen and sweat wicking. Although I got beef on that too, because everybody on the roster wanted to wear a small or medium so their legs look big. 
So the guys like me, who were the underclassmen, who actually needed a small set of pants, didn't get to wear the new uniform pants and then still had to wear the old Russell pants, which A, held sweat like nobody's business, but also weren't the same color as everybody else's pants. Like, come on. I mean, just getting a hose. And this is after running 10 100s with a tire. Yeah. I feel like that should, have, that should have earned me my own specific <laughs> pair of small pants for the entire year. <laughs> uh, but that's all the that's, glory that, days. That's neither the glory days. That's neither here nor there. So, anyways, getting getting back to two it. Well, not even two days. Fall practice. Fall camp. Fall practice, quote unquote. Even though there's nothing fall about it. What is the one thing that you are most excited about with fall camp getting ready to start? Munkin implementing the other 30% of the offense. Yeah, I like that. I, I think that is something really, really exciting is that they're actually getting, quote, normal fall camp, right? And after seeing what we saw the last four games of the season last year, whoo, boy, it is tantalizing to think about what that offense might look like. Um, with this full off season and now a full fall camp to work with as they get ready for the Clemson game. I think for me, man, it may be um, what the secondary is going to look like. Like, I think we've all kind of just gone, Oh yeah. Secondary is going to be great because we've gotten these additions now with Kendrick and with Tyke Smith. But like, I am, I don't know. I'm still a little up in the air about that and about where it's going to be. So I am excited to see what the reports are that trickle out about the defensive secondary. Also, if I'm giving a one B, if that was one A and I'm giving a one B, I really, really, really need to hear some reports about what Arik Gilbert looks like at wide receiver. Like I need to see a snapshot of, of him on the outside, lining up for a go route. Like, I just think it's going to be epic. So, well, I think what you're answering is really a different question. You said, what am I most excited about? That's what I'm most excited about. That's definitely not what I'm most intrigued about, though. I'm not in, I'm not really intrigued by the other 30% of the offense because, you know, I don't think we're going to learn anything. So I am intrigued about how the offensive line is going to shuffle out because I've been saying that since, I don't know, February. I ever since signing class was finished, I'm just curious. I'm curious if McClendon's going to be the next Solomon Kinley and just be able to hold off every new five star that gets recruited in over him. And if he's going to stick at right tackle and who's going to be the left tackle, I yeah. think your middle is pretty much well. I think your two guards are set. I think it, I think Salyer's probably your left guard, and I think your right guard, I mean, um, Schaefer and Salyer are your guards. I think uh, Van Pran Granger's got a good shot at overtaking Erickson. But if Erickson wins, I won't be surprised. Dude, so that so you you're really set that Jamari's going to be guard and not get filtered back out to left tackle. Like, dude, I just that left tackle makes me nervous, man. Like, I I don't I well, think I don't that think, is well, unsettled or it, it should depends. be. I don't think it's going to be trust. I don't think it's going to be trust. I think it's it's Mims or, or Jamari, one of the two. It's either grown man child who just is which i know it's un it's it's unrealistic to expect a true freshman to start at left tackle but if he doesn't start at left tackle that means you're bumping mcclendon 
out and putting him at right tackle and putting Jamar. It's you got to find your best five to put together because it's you got to have your unit. They got to play as a unit. Because remember the first half of the game last year, they weren't playing as well together. And then they until they put McClendon in over Condon. You remember that yeah. against Arkansas? Like, and then they put McClendon in and everything kind of settled down and kind of settled into place. Yeah. So I think McClendon is is your glue guy. I think McClendon really is going to – I'm not saying he's, the, he's more talented than Mims because he's not. I don't, I'm not going to say that at any point in time. But I think McClendon is – he's one of those guys that's just going to come out there. He's going to do his job. You're not going to notice him because he's not going to make mistakes. And it's, he's going to be really hard to take off the field. Yeah, man. I, I just, based on what we saw, and look, it's a spring game, so who knows, right? But I don't know, man. I just wasn't convinced with trust. And look, it's, it's limited reps, too. And coaching staff obviously wants to give him a shot. They obviously think he was the best option at the end of the spring. But I don't know. I think that is a a big storyline over the next four weeks as we get prepped for the opener is what, how things are going to shake out at left tackle. Um, so yeah, it's going to be interesting, man. And Hey, uh, pretty important. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Right. Right-handed quarterback, left tackle, pretty important. So yeah. And it's yeah. not like we're playing, you know, West Valley, Texas state to start the season. Neither. We're playing probably the, you know, two top 10 picks at DN to start the season. Yeah, I that's that's a big one, man. And you had you have been, you know, you have been on the horn about that for a long, long time. And I think you're right, man. I think that's gonna like it is most years, right? The trenchers are gonna end up being where we we find out who this Georgia team is. Cause I think he's shown that when he has time, JT's lethal. So yeah, I that's that's a great point. Um okay. Let's pop top number four. Um, fall camp coming, and in that vein, the uh, talking season is still in play. And last night, ESPN had their preseason kind of TV special, I guess you could say, which was based around the top 25 preseason poll that they released, or their power rankings, as they call it. Uh, but they also did some kind of fun stuff with top five lists, which we'll also get to. But Georgia came in ranked at number four with Alabama at one, Oklahoma at two, and Clemson at three ahead of them. Do you think that was a fair ranking? Do you think that's too high, too low? Um, I know you don't really care about preseason rankings, but were you, I guess, surprised one way or the other that that's where they ended up in that first listing on ESPN? No, not really. I mean, that it's pretty much par for the course. ESPN is pretty standard, I guess. <laughs> they're not going to go outside the box. Yeah. So yeah. they're not going to pick some random team to be up there. It wouldn't have surprised me if any one of those top four were shuffled in any way, shape, or form. Yeah. So, I, I mean, for preseason, they're kind of all interchangeable. It would have been surprising if one of them would have been outside the top five. That would have been surprising. But to me, it's just all just status quo. I mean, it's all it's all chalk, as, as we say. The talking heads at ESPN, they have nothing. It's kind of like how they got to fill the whole the, the playoff you know, shows, and there's nothing that changes for two hours. It's kind of how yesterday felt when I was watching it. So the interesting thing I thought was the panel of Joe Tessitore, David Pollack, and Joey Galloway 
all essentially said they thought Georgia would beat Clemson, which obviously is how I think you and I both feel. But to hear them all say it, especially Galloway, was a bit surprising to me. Um, and Galloway was pretty matter-of-fact about it. I mean, he was essentially about, yeah, Georgia's going to beat Clemson. Like, <laughs> he didn't really take a breath or, like, him and Hall about it. He's just like, yeah, they're going to beat Clemson. Uh, so that surprised me. Um, dude, Joe Testor came out and said he – because essentially how they did the poll was they had 33 folks they turned internal experts. They had them all fill out a top 25, and then they compiled the results to give – what ended up being the cumulative top 25 for ESPN. And dude, Joe Testor came out and said, yeah, I had Georgia as my number one. That was who I picked number one, which I thought was great. Right. I mean, they're, they're in that conversation, which I did also think was interesting. So then Joey Galloway goes, so you think Georgia's going to win the national championship? And Joe Testor goes, well, I didn't say that. <laughs> and so Joey Galloway goes, see, that's why this is worthless. Like you have them as your preseason number one, which in turn should mean that you think they're going to win the national title. But now you're saying, Oh, I'm not saying all that, which I thought was hysterical that he just yeah. point blank called him out on that. Um, which, but he's, he's right. I mean, in theory, that's what that should mean. If you put them at one, you think they're the best team in the country and thus they should win the national title. But so it was, it was kind of interesting to see him kind of hem and haul on that a little bit, but I don't know. I was just surprised. I mean, maybe this is, our own Georgia bias about it, but I don't feel like Georgia generally is a posh pick to win games like that. This, this big time opener by national media folks like Galloway or even Pollock, I feel like is not in the tank for Georgia. I feel like he's pretty fair in his evaluation of UGA year to year, but they both were pretty, yeah, Georgia's going to win the football game. So take that for what it is. Right. But um, yeah, on August 3rd, so, yeah. I mean, but I guess I just I put that out there to say that the stock seems to be trending upwards for Georgia nationally. Um, I think you see that in a couple of the yeah. the odds makers that have come out and put JT at the top of the, the list for the Heisman. Like, you know, I, I just think I think the, the narrative is starting to, to churn a little bit for UGA going into the season. So, and hey, man, nothing wrong with that. Love that. Love, love people talking well about them because that can only help if they do slip up somewhere. If people have a favorable opinion of them. so, um, not that I think they're going to slip up, but you know, if, if it does, it's good to have the narrative behind you as well. So, all right. In that same vein, top let's pop top number five. One of the topics they did, which they did a lot of cool ones, like you know, top five returning quarterbacks, top five non quarterbacks returning. Um, they did like top five live mascots, which Uga was number one, rightfully so. Um, but one of the ones they did, which I love because I love stuff like this, was top five college towns in America. All the same experts voted on their top five. Athens came in at number two behind only Oxford, Mississippi. And it was sandwiched between Oxford at one and Madison at three. If you've listened to this show, you know I am very much in the tank for Athens, Georgia, and Madison, Wisconsin. I think they are undoubtedly the two best college towns in America. However, I'm not mad at the Oxford selection, number one, because from everyone who I've spoken with who's been to Oxford for game day weekend, they've said it is absolutely electric and that the food is fantastic. I can't speak on it because I haven't been to Oxford. 
So I can't really knock that one down one way or the other because by all accounts, it is an A-plus college town. It's just you can't tell me it's that much better than the classic city, right? Like I would have had no problem with them putting Madison at the top of the list just because that town is <laughs> outrageous <laughs> from <laughs> – a bars restaurants and setup perspective like it's just incredible but um yeah i wasn't upset about athens being number two but I, you know they're always classic city always gonna be number one in my list for college towns but were you surprised that oxford was one or did you see the list and go yeah that's a fair list i thought it was a fair list i mean same thing i can't speak from personal experience for oxford i i, I now want to go more yeah. After seeing the list, I'm like looking forward to that trip when the time comes. I actually am like, all right, you know, that, that wasn't one that I was like, ooh, I'm, I can't wait to do this, but now I'm really excited about it. But I don't know. I feel like when you see these lists from ESPN, it's like, how much do they actually experience the college town atmosphere that we experience? Yeah. Because yeah. we're fans, they're there for game day or they're there to call the game. So how much do they actually experience it? What actually the college town atmosphere is on a game day. So it kind of makes me wonder what their experience is with it. Now, I mean, they may have that experience from when they were younger, but like I'm talking about like now from when they're voting. Yeah. So it kind of like those lists always are kind of like up in the air for me. I'm like, I don't really know what their experience is with. I could be completely wrong. They may, you know, be able to like sneak out and go experience downtown Athens, you know, after a game or whatever. I don't know, but it just, it, it doesn't seem like that without them being noticed. Most of them anyway. Yeah, that's a good point. My impression is that when they come into town to call a game or whatever, they do like a big Thursday and or Friday night dinner where they like go out and have a nice big dinner. And then, you know, they're doing game prep and stuff. And then I was under the impression after the game, they get out of town Saturday night. So I'm with you. I wouldn't think they're like going and tying one on and hitting four and five different bars night before a game. But who knows, man? Maybe they do. Some people like to party. So <laughs> who knows? Maybe maybe you do go out in downtown Athens on a Friday night. You see Joe Tessator living it up. So who knows? I don't know. Maybe they do. But um, that's a good point. But I – I thought the list was fair. I mean, the top three were all A plus towns. A plus. Yeah. yeah. So I, I didn't have any gripe with it. I think it's one of those things where it's kind of interchangeable. Six and one, half dozen in the other type thing. Like I, you know, I think they're all fantastic and I would visit any of them if given the opportunity. Uh, but just, you know, my heart's always going to have classic city number one, just because it's the best baby. So yeah. yeah. Um, okay. Let's get to the, Saturday in Athens, Sixer. Uh, the Sixer this week, and this was Boss's idea, had a great idea, which was which athletes during the Rick Smart eras would have taken advantage of the new NIL legislation the most. And when we say that, we just mean who would have had the best opportunities given the NIL landscape now uh, during their playing days. And when we say the Rick Smart era, Let's cover everything from Coach Rick's first year. And I think we had talked about caveating it with, you know, maybe we won't include present-day players because we're seeing that play out in real time. 2018 would be the cutoff. Yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll leave guys that didn't get the opportunity to take advantage of NIL 
um, and put those on the list. So who are your six? Who are your six who you think would have been the, the biggest NIL players? Four, five, and six, I don't really have a concrete order on. They're kind of – I want to give a little caveat. The way I did this was is that I took their career, who on their team they were going up against for other money, and how much I thought they would have made like over the course of their tenure in Athens. So that's kind of how I did this. So these three I think would have made about the same – over their tenure now, given the time frame that they were there. So I got AJ Green. So he's like, I, for, if I'm going six, he would be my six. Then I've got Roquan mm-hmm. and Rodrigo. Yeah, that's a good one. So that's six, five, four for me. The number three, I got Matthew Stafford. So I know he overlapped with AJ a little bit, and I know Rodrigo and Rodrigo and Roquan for me have completely different defense, uh, defense and special teams. They're not going for any of the type, same type of money in my opinion. So I think it's completely different aspects of money. Like I think you're going like right for Roquan got drafted or announced he was going to the NFL. He got a car dealership sponsorship with BMW, I think, in Athens. Like that's not something that Rodrigo would go for. So it's just completely different sponsorships. That I think Stafford you're going to see his, he's the quarterback. He's future number one overall pick came in the next greatest thing in Athens. He's going to see his face all over the place. Then at number two, you're going to same thing with Murray sec record holder. He was after um, what his about halfway through his sophomore year, he was on pace to break or Like they were talking, if he stayed all four years, he was on pace to break records. So I think that Murray, same thing, all kinds of money that would be coming his way. And then also you got to look at the time frame that he was there, the amount of money you know that he would be come bringing in then. But number one, hands down, no question asked for me is Todd. To me, there's nobody since Herschel that is more loved, and I still, I mean, I still think he's over Sony and Nick. Uh, I still think as a player he's more loved in Athens and he's just magnetic personality, great smile, great with fans, great with kids. Everybody would have wanted a piece of him. And you think about that 14 season, no suspension for the autographs Heisman yeah. campaign because he, he was, the there, he, he would have won, won the Heisman, Heisman that year. Yeah. All I, the, there's so much that year alone would have been, I mean, they're talking Bryce Young with seven figures without ever playing. He would have surpassed that in spades. All right. First off, that's a good list. I like that list. I'm going to caveat my list with this. And maybe you can't do this because it's not in a vacuum. Because some of the people I want to put on my list, we, we don't know what their value would have been, right? Because for part of this era, Social media wasn't what it is today. And social media followings matter as it pertains to brand value in the present day economy, right? I think that's the main reason that Rodrigo's in this conversation, if we're being straight up, is because he had a good social following and he was very good and had a distinct brand that played well in the social media networks, right? Like, dude, Hot Rod was a Twitter and Instagram sensation and creation. And so I think that 
played into how popular he became as an athlete on campus. Okay. So that's important, man. That's a big factor. And he would have been, I think, a great NIL candidate. Like, dude, you telling me he couldn't have got a huge Lego deal? Come on. <laughs> or something like that? Like, yeah. I mean, I just feel like some cool offbeat stuff would have been in his pocket like that. I um, mean, glasses, you know, sports, some, oh, yeah. sports glasses, you know, yeah. you know, cleats. I mean, all kinds of stuff. So, and this is why the person I'm going to give you at six is at six, because we just don't know. But I'm going to put David Green at six. Okay. Like you just can't tell me there was a more recognizable college athlete in the state of Georgia or a more notable college athlete in the state of Georgia than David Green in the years he was there. And don't forget when he left, he had more wins as an NCAA quarterback than any quarterback in college history. Like, dude, he was super successful. They had a renaissance as a football program. I just think he could have made some money, man. I think some folks in Athens would have had him, his face on billboards and all kinds of things, right? So I think he would have been a great one. But again, caveat there is no idea what kind of personality he has, right? Like, I don't know if he would have been a dude on social media or something like that or had a big following. So we just don't know. So that's kind of a, up in the air about that piece of it. But we're just saying in the vacuum when they were there, I've got him at number six. Um, number five. I think I'm going to put Jarvis Jones on that list. I think he gets lost in the discussion about how vital he was to their success in that back-to-back SEC championship game run in 11 and 12. I mean, dude, they don't win either one of those Florida games without him. No question. I don't think of the cocktail party that I don't think of Jarvis Jones. But I think in this in this instance, when we're in what we're talking about right here is – you go right back to what you were talking about with David Green is his personality. He's a very quiet person. When True. you think of think of personality on that defense, first person that comes to mind is Tree. It's sure. not Jarvis Jones. But I think Jarvis was he was the brand, right? Yo, like yeah. Like he he yeah. was he was the guy. And I think he would have been he would have been the guy brands would have wanted to pay for, right? Like He's the guy brands would have been like, hey, man, we want to have Jarvis be our guy. Plus, he had a great story about, um, you know, almost not being able to play any more football and then coming to Georgia. And like, I just think there's a lot of a lot of good behind that story. And I think he could have done. I think I think he would have been a good brand ambassador for somebody. So he's on my list. So you go David Green, you go Jarvis Jones and then. I think for me, number four is probably going to be Jake Fromm. I mean, I just think when he was there, man, God, he could have made some money. Like, if NIL had been hot when he was there, especially after that freshman season, can you imagine when he could have turned his last two years there? Like, oh, boy, he could have made some big-time money, I think. It was really hard for him. It was really hard for me to keep him off my list, but I, I definitely wanted Roquan on there and I definitely wanted Rodrigo on there and I couldn't put another player from that, that, that team, those teams on there. So I was, I, like, I was like, I couldn't do it. So I was like, I, was, I chose to leave Jake off. You, you know, what's tough for me about Sony and Nick is they're almost like a package deal. Exactly. And that was exactly what I thought. And I think if they had been able to do some stuff where both of them did something together, cause dude, Nick is not, 
he's just quiet. Right. And like, I think had would not have been interested in any of that at all. I think Sony would have been great. Like you got, you got him doing some kind of spot where he's doing the jazz hands or something. I mean, I think he would have been the perfect personality for, you know, dude, he was putting out rap songs when he was there. Like he, he's a good one. And I think could have done it, but I, I just associate them so much as a pair pair yeah. that, that I wonder if that would have impacted their, their ability to, to capitalize on their brand. Um, so number three for me was a little bit of a tough one, but I'm going to go the other player on that 07 team. And I'm going to say no Sean Moreno. <laughs> I think no Sean would have killed it during NIL, man. Like if they'd had NIL in 07 when all the blackout stuff was happening. I mean, he was a sensation. Yeah. And I think he would have capitalized on social media as well. You got to think, dude, social wasn't big then. Like not for the no, kids like it is now. I mean, so I think he would have been a huge social media push uh, athlete as well. So man, I, he's much more boisterous than AJ. He, I think, he would have been much more vocal on social than AJ. What I mean, even is now. I mean, AJ is pretty much non-existent on social now. Like, dude, because of his personality, Stafford's not even on my list. Like, I don't even think he would. He doesn't have them now. So I, there's no reason to think he would have had them then. I, he did. He, well, he, he wouldn't even have been on social media. The only reason he's on my list is because he came in at a time right after DJ. And he was the next big thing and number one quarterback in the country. I, I, I'm thinking Bryce Young in my head. That's what I'm thinking. So, well, all right, dude, how about he is Quinn? How do you say the kid's last name? Ewers? Use. 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 I don't he, know. Something like that. He's, yeah. He's Quinn Use. I mean, that's who that is, Matt Stafford. Yeah. So, I'm talking about. I will say this. Let's caveat this. If he had let his future wife, Kelly, run his social, then yes. <laughs> because she's he would have made 10 million <laughs> yes because she's great man like she's very good about the stuff that she puts out and she's real good about pumping him up like yeah like yeah if she if he had let her be his social manager then yeah he could have made a ton of money on nil because i think she would have been great at showing his personality like when she showed the video this week of him from the green screen doing the stuff for the lions hilarious yeah but like by all accounts his teammates love him. So he's very likable. So great guy to be your brand ambassador. Again, I just don't know personality-wise if it was a good fit. So that's why he's not on my list, and I picked Sean instead from those era teams, all right? So that leaves me with my last two, and they're going to be same as yours, but I'm going to invert them a little bit. I'm going to put Todd at two. Um, and really, man, they could be 1A and 1B. But to your point, I agree. For me, I think Todd is probably the most electric athlete in Georgia football history since Herschel. I think if you watched him with your own two eyes when he was playing, must see TV. Like, you had to watch the game if Todd was playing. And he had the personality to go with it, which how often does that happen? I mean, not often, right? Just vivacious and huge smile and handsome guy. Like, And he did everything. Could catch the football could run, was a track star, was returning kicks. I think that's what so often gets left out of by his legacy is how outstanding he was returning kicks, like game changer returning kicks. So I think that that was something that gets left out of that equation too. 
So Todd's two for me, but again, could, could essentially be interchangeable with, for me, who I think is the undoubted number one from an NIL capability perspective, and that's Aaron Murray. I think Aaron would have absolutely killed it from an endorsement perspective. And I'll just give a story from a personal perspective. We went to the Georgia Tech game in 12 before they went to the SC title game and lost that barn burner to Alabama. And we went to Mellow Mushroom after the game to get a bite to eat and have some drinks. And his family came in and got a table directly beside us um, after the game. And we're talking tech weekend where it's not even a normal crazy game day weekend because you got people out of town for Thanksgiving and whatever. Dude, I would bet over 100 people came up to the table to ask for an autograph or a picture or something while, while they were eating, dude. And, like, we were sitting right beside them. We didn't say a word to their family because I'm just one of these people where, like, if you're out in real life like that, I'm leaving you alone. Like, I'm just not going to do it. There's maybe a couple people on the planet that I would break that rule for. One of them is the people's champion, Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Sorry, champ, but if you're out eating with the family, your boy's coming up and giving you a finally The Rock. We're at whatever area we're in. I'm dropping that on him. I don't care. So he's one. And Cal Ripken. Iron Man, if I see you in person, I'm coming to see you. I mean, that's just it. But I feel like you get a pass on that because he's like my childhood guy. So, But those are the two. Other than that, if I see you out and you're just like with your people and your family, I ain't saying nothing to you. Homie, when we were at G-Day, Chris and I saw Roquan four different times on G-Day. Like downtown, just walking around, hanging out. Did not talk to him one time. Didn't approach him. Chris said, you're not going to talk to him? I was like, nope. He's like, why not? I'm like, dude, he's, he's like having a normal day. I'm not going over here and like, hey, dude, we've never met before. I'm, I'm just Joe Huckleberry from Nowhere, USA. Nice to meet you. I'm just, I'm not doing it, man. He's like there to hang out with his buddies, have a good time. I'm gonna let him do it. You know, it's not my personality, but I'm not saying it's not okay to do that. Dude, if you're into that, cool. I'm just telling you at least a hundred people at the mellow mushroom after the game that day, come to see Aaron. I just think his appeal and his, I guess, brand attractiveness. I, I don't know, man. I think he would have been massive. I also think his senior year when he came back and had broken all the records and then during his senior year, he starts dating Casey McDonald, which was like, I feel like social was just starting to take off then. And that became like a thing. I don't know, man. I just think he would have been Todd. He could have counted his money. I mean, essentially you and I are saying the same thing when it comes to one and two, we're just ordering them differently. I think we both agreed they were the two that, could have written their own ticket when it comes to NIL deals if it had been happening when they were there. Definitely. And at least with Todd, he went pro and signed a couple good contracts. You know, I don't, I have no idea how much Aaron made once he got out of school. You know, he may have been one of those athletes that lost their window. You know, some guys could have made a ton of money as a college athlete and then they're never able to capitalize on that. Well, that was one of the, I can't remember, it was probably, it was probably a conversation you and I had forever ago when they first started talking about the NIL, I don't know, a year and a half ago or so, and I was brought up Rodrigo, he was never more marketable than he was when he was in college, ever, because there's no market for kickers in in the NFL, there's just not, unless you're, unless you're somebody like Janikowski out in Oakland, 
who has a specific niche market out there. You know, you have to be somebody like that that's very recognizable, very noticeable like that. But, I mean, the Colts brought in somebody this year after the season Rodrigo had to push him. So he may not even make – I mean, he's probably going to make the team, but it's a possibility he doesn't make the team this year. And he could have made – not saying he would have made millions, but he could have made a lot of money, more money than the normal person makes when they're 18, 19, 20 years old in college. How many, how many college football teams got the kicker as the kid coming out to break the banner when they come out the gate for the interest? How many teams have their kicker get the loudest ovation? Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree, man. I, I think he's one of those that fits in that pocket of could have made a ton of money as a collegiate athlete. And, you know, ton is – I don't know what that is. It's relative. It's relative. Right? Like, who, who knows what that is? It's different to different folks. But he, he could have made – I think some money and at least capitalized on it a little bit. He would have made a ton to your average middle-class American. Let's put it that way. Sure. Absolutely. That's a, that's a great way to put it. Absolutely. All right. Well, that was a fun one. I like your list. Great idea. That was a fantastic idea. Boss is also going to be writing a corresponding blog article about this. So we will, we'll push that out too, because I think that's going to be good as well. So, all right, brother. Well, that's it for this week, folks. We're, as of right now, 31 days out. We are Chris Conley days out from kick. And fall practice is starting, baby. Football is a coming. So let us be merry and rejoice. <laughs> All right, man. Go dogs, sick them. Go dogs. Hey, George is better now. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.